Spike Cohen. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, former Vice President Al Goy Cohen, I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. That was beautiful. <laughs> former Vice President Al Goy. Folks, thanks so much for tuning into this extra special pre-Freedom Fest edition episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Be sure to check us out everywhere. Share us everywhere. Comment everywhere. Like us. Subscribe to us and follow us everywhere. And of course, as always, hit the bell. I can't show you my phone because I'm recording from it, but I want your phone to go like that every time that we go live. That's exactly what his phone was doing. As we were going live, his video was just shaking just like it just was. And that's what all of your phones should be doing at all times. Uh, First and foremost, allow me to thank the fantastic and wonderful people at SiestaCava.com for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. And allow me to thank American Airlines for giving me this gigantic (laughs) bottle of Nestle Pure Life on the airplane. Because I said, I'll have a bottled water. So they gave me the entire bottle of water. They gave me a liter of water. Thank you to American Airlines and, and Nestle, Nestle Pure Life. Nestle Pure Life. Pool of Anaka. I also would like to thank uh, Guayaquil for the yerba mate I have that's apparently packed with stuff. Oh. Mainly caffeine. Yerba mate. Yerba mate. Cava and yerba mate. Yerba mate. Yerba right. mate. That seems like that's like the upper downer thing, right? It, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I'm I, I'm <laughs> I'm hippie speedballing it here, with nice yerba mate nice. and my cava. You're uh, preparing for your Tennessee trip with a nice uh, with a nice Elvis cocktail. <laughs> Right. Uh, Not too soon. Is it too? I mean, no. That was 1977. Before either of us were born, I feel like that's not too soon. No, not even a little bit. Still had still had the other headphones in when we were having all the audio problems. Sorry, we were we were having so many audio problems today, folks. Yes. Which is how. So for all of you who think that this is always my fault, that it which it usually is. There. But it's this time it's not. No. So suck on that, America. Right. This time it was 100% my fault. And I don't know how it happened because everything was working until Spike got on the Zoom. So this per- is how it always happens. Everything's working fine. And then, it, then it's not. Right. Yes, that's exactly how that goes. And it's going to be, so today's show, I'm going to just apologize for many things because uh, I'm on copious amounts of cold medicine and and, uh, allergy medicine and Spike has no notes. So this is just going to be a grand old time had by everybody. So sit back and enjoy this train wreck of an episode that you are about to enjoy. But this tra- and I didn't sleep last night. And he didn't sleep last night. So this train wreck is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. The fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party. 
which happens to be led by this guy who is eating pancakes, <laughs> who is eating pan- the head, the, the ass, the all-star special of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, pictured here, bug-eyed over pancakes. Just to be clear, I'm not actually eating them in this photo, so fake news. <laughs> if you want to join the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, head on over to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store and pick yourself up a waf- Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button. And if you would like to become a voting member, whatever the hell that means, get a shirt. Get a shirt. And don't eat pancakes. Yes. Don't eat pancakes. Which I also didn't do. Again, I did not eat pancakes. You could have just said this train wreck is brought to you by the Libertarian Party, and that would have been accurate as well. Ooh, the Gravy King. Gravy King. This episode is brought to you by Fierce Luxury by Ashley. She is a high-end bags and accessories consignment shop uh, in which you can consign with her for 20% less than other consignment shops. Or she tells us. I think. I don't think Ashley would lie to us. We haven't verified that. No, not even a little bit. We have definitely not verified that. Um, and it, for, she has great things there. Great things there for anybody who doesn't know. Just wonderful. It's, it's on my other page. Uh, she has the hottest brands like Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Gucci, and Hermes. Hermes. Hermes, people. Hermes. Hermes. So go to FierceLuxuryByAshley.com or join the Facebook group Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Jack Casey, who wrote a book. And people yep. s- seem to... Two of them. A yeah, couple of them. Yeah, he's written it. Apparently there's a third one. Don't know if there's actually oh. a third one, but he's claiming there's oh. a third one. Uh, Jonathan Reels. Because I totally forgot to put this in earlier. But Jonathan Reels. Uh, go to J- I did not know that was just going to pull up on my screen either. Because train wreck today, people. This is a train wreck today. Jonathan Reels needs 15 people to donate $20 each to help fund the campaign event this summer. Uh, so everybody go to www.jonathan.cash. And uh, Jack Casey... We'll give all of the proceeds from all of the books you buy today to Jonathan.cash. This episode's oh, well. <laughs> sure, why not? I'll make that promise for him. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cumberland Cannabis Co. If you are in Tennessee, or anywhere, I guess, I don't think they care if they have to ship it over state lines, um, <laughs> uh, all you have to do is go to cumberlandcannabisco.com for vi- viable, ethical, effective cannabis. Tennessee weed. weed. Tennessee weed, y'all. Tennessee weed. Weed from Tennessee. And as a person who used to really love Tennessee whiskey, I can only assume Tennessee weed is just as good. It's weed. It's weed. Adervan. Adderpan. Not Adervan. Adderpan. Adervan. <laughs> Adderpan. If you, if you want a game that's going to haunt your dreams worse than this intro is going to haunt your night the rest of tonight, go buy Adderpan. It's available on Steam. It costs five bucks. 
five bucks. It's five bucks. Add some adder pan, and you'll need an adder van. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, you can join Dolly and her haunted imaginary friends as you play the role of a school security guard trying to survive night shift, armed only with cameras and a flashlight. Are you able to make it until morning before they get a piece of you? Nope. No. Absolutely nope. not. You are not, neither are we. No. And this nope. ep- Happy birthday, Meg. <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by Joe Solosky for Pennsylvania Governor. If you wish to make the Pennsylvania governor mightier than the federal government sword. Vote for Joe Soloski. He is the key to Pennsylvania's success. Um, Wow. Yeah. I just, I'm apologizing to everybody today because, whoo. I like, I like, I think we should rebrand Adderpan to Adderpan. I I feel as though that is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Not if you spell it Adderpan. That's valid. That's valid. Happy birthday. Oh, Kyle says he'll make Adder Van later. Uh, Kyle is the creator of Adder Pan, not Adder Van. Uh, Somebody else made Adder Van that wasn't Kyle. Uh, But Kyle says he will make Adder Van. That's going to be the sequel. Wow. That's going to be the sequel. Adder Van is the sequel. Is the sequel. It's where everyone tries to calm down from playing Adder Pan. Right. That one's only $6 on Steam. That's, yes. Yes. Um, so uh, so everybody knows, and I can try to gain some semblance of control back on this episode. Um, we had a great weekend. You were down here in Florida. We, uh, yes. It was, it, that was so much fun. That was one of the greatest yep. weekends, the Liberty Weekends. Yeah, we had there. a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun at the shooting event. We had a lot of fun... The pre-gaming the shooting event, uh, we had a great day the next day. I ate, well, we ate, but I ate in particular so much Greek food this weekend. That's doesn't, that's no, <laughs> that's not Greek. Um, I ate so much Greek food this weekend. It was insane. And uh, I, so there's a place in Tarpon Springs called Mama's. 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 And, and if you go there, just ask them to put the salad dressing on everything. Yes. That, the salad dressing, the Greek salad dressing that they use just at Mama's. Everything. And side note, for anybody out there who loves coffee, if you go to Mama's and you get the Greek coffee. Oh, yeah. The owner will instruct you on how to properly drink it if you have not done it yep. right. Yep. 100%. Which Matt didn't. Which I apparently did not do. I was like, man, they left a lot of coffee in the bottom. I don't know what the deal is with that, which is apparently how Greek coffee is made, and you're supposed to add water and mix it and continue to sip on it. But he just had me add water and then slam the rest of it, which that kept me up until about 3 a.m. Yeah, I, I felt your... I will, your rush like I could feel it was insane when you pop, yeah like we all felt the impact we all felt like the shockwave from that and he said you always gonna remember me I will and always remember that man <laughs> and it's like that's impossible for me not to remember this because I feel like I just took 
LSD or something. Right. I, um, just, I just mainlined cocaine, and now I'm just going to be up. That dressing was stupid. It was so good. Yeah. I just want to... I want to walk around. I want to. I want to be able to start every episode by saying thank you to Mama for giving me this liter of dressing and just suck down the dressing for the whole episode. Man, that was good. That was incredibly good. But yeah, no, we had an awesome weekend. Even got to walk the beach, have a really long, not even remotely uncomfortable bro hug with Jack Lloyd and the two of us. And the two of us. Not weird at not all. Not weird. Not uncomfortable. And yeah, and it, now well, and not now for you're us. still in. You're still in, what's that? It wasn't uncomfortable for us. No, our respective significant others didn't like it, but we right. were, it, we were, it we felt were, right and it felt good. Yeah, that felt like home. I felt, I felt at home. I felt like, felt like I had curled up into a little ball of comfort. Yes. Yes. Male comfort. Yeah. It was, and, it was like three Liberty father figures embracing to pass the liberty to, like to, that yes to make a mushroom cloud explosion of liberty yes yes but not in a weird way no it was a normal way it was normal we were having a real normal one so we uh so we had we uh we had that weekend and uh i am now in south dakota as you can tell from this wall behind me i'm uh i'm now in beautiful south dakota and uh, I will be here all week for Freedom Fest and uh, really excited to, uh, to be one of the opening speakers tomorrow. And then now every single day of the festival, I'm doing a panel. Um, we've had some last minute uh, cancellations. And so I'm filling in on some more panels. So I'm despite Cohen speaking tour, but I don't leave here. I just stay here. Great. And I am here in Florida where uh, I will stay and not do that. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least partially envious of you. I mean, it's really cool that I get to be here at Freedom Fest. But I also like and I know it's the fact that I haven't slept in 48 hours, probably talking, but I haven't slept in 48 hours. Right. That so tonight sense. I'm going to sleep and know- I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to be so freaking excited about Freedom Fest. I'm going to be running around Freedom Festing it up. I've never been to Freedom Fest, so I'm not sure what to expect. Do you know what you could use in order to help wake you up, though? Mud water. Coffee wow. alternative. That's right. Wow. Because right now it is time for the mud water mushroom coffee replacement cacao rapid fire segment. Because that's what we named this. I don't know why. You uh, named it this, and I love it. <laughs> We're keeping it that. Actually, no, I named it that. Did you? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking for a coffee alternative with one-seventh of the caffeine, which neither Spike or I, that probably would not work for me. and it might work for Spike right now. But go with mud water, because normally you can see it in Spike's face that it really works. It's made with masala chai, <laughs> cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. If you are looking to make the switch, go to muddywatersmedia.com slash mud today. You know what? I just realized I didn't, I forgot to bring my mud water, and that's probably why <laughs> I'm dragging why that. Dragging. And again, I didn't sleep. You at haven't all. slept. But usually that would have kept me going. Yes. I think that's part of it. That, I think that, we may have stumbled onto something there. 
So, according to a new study by Brightline Watch, one-third of Americans support secession. Yes. As long as it is within these selected groups. Wow. One-third of Americans support breaking up of America to be in these selective groups. So, as you can see, for the Pacific Zone... 47% of Democrats were like, yeah, let's do this, where it's Washington, Oregon, California, Alaska, and Hawaii. Sorry, Nalik, you're stuck with in that country. Um, Yeah, what happened there? That kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, where else would you put them, though? Um, I wonder what what percentage of Alaskans would be like, just make your own country. I think that would be higher. Um, Just no, I absolutely do not want to do that. Um, but down here in the South, where it would be you, me, Cajun, Jason Lyon, all of us down here, uh, 66% of Republicans, 50% of independents, 20% of Democrats were like, yeah, let's do that. Which leads me to believe it, Secession is not only a fantastic television show on HBO, but it is, uh, possible. And as we could start, or if if now if Nalik would leave the frozen tundra of Alaska and come down here, we could literally start leave me Alonia. Is that what we went with? Is that the official name, Leave Me Alonia? I couldn't remember any of the others. I think that's the one that got the most I votes. Anyway, I, think... I liked personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds to stand. <laughs> That's the one I voted for. Uh, Matt Spikistan? That's the one I came up with, which was I like probably it. like... Leave Me Alonia. Leave Me Alonia is kind of cool. Yeah, Leave Me Alonia. I, I, I get it. I, no, I, I, like I get it. it. I'm a fan of it. Like, just Leave Me Alonia. <laughs> no, step, no Stepiopolis is probably another. That's a good one. That That's would be a good, a good one. one. No, step, no Stepopolis. Yes. Um... So, yeah, so I actually got interviewed on RT about this subject. I think most of this is just people that are dissatisfied with the way things are going in the country. Um, and I think some of, it, some of it is more partisan in nature. You tend to see, you know, Republicans be more likely to say they want secession when there's a Democrat in, in the White House. Democrats are more likely to say it when there's a Republican. But, I mean, those numbers were solid across the, the right. political spectrum. I mean, these are um, solid numbers. Like, down, down in the South, 66% of Republicans, which is by far the highest, which is also not surprising for the South. But when you take a look at, uh, when you take a look at the Northeast and Pacific, you've got almost half the Democrats in the Pacific and 39% in the Northeast. And you never so uh, Democrat support is never below what is it nine seventeen percent. So you've got a, a large minority even in in some states. Uh, independent support I think never got below twenty something, and Republican support never got below thirty something. So I mean there's there's a sizable percentage. I'd be interested to see like how that compares to before the lockdowns. Yeah. Um, that would be an interesting thing. That would be even though the lockdowns were largely done at the state level. So I'd be interested to see, like, is this an ongoing trend? Is this kind of an outlier? Um, you know, 
you know, like a year from now, do it again or six months from now, do it again and keep doing it to see like, is there a, a baseline and growing support for this? Or is this kind of a blip and it's usually much lower or, you know, what, what is it? Because I mean, yeah, 330 million people in a, in a, that are so culturally diverse and not just meaning like, you know, ethnicity, but just dip like the entire vibe of California is starkly different from that of Idaho or which is starkly different from that of Texas, which is starkly different from that of anywhere in New England, which is starkly different from that of South Carolina, which is starkly different than from that of Florida, which is starkly different from that of New York. You know, we have a bunch of they were intended to be at least semi-autonomous nation states. And now, I mean, they're if anything, we're increasingly divided and it's not because of immigration and it's not because I'm sure the media hasn't helped. But it's really it's like, yeah, I don't think most people want to be forced into this association. Right. Um, so it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it is. And the way that they have that map kind of broken up, like. You could give Virginia to the northeast. I'd be OK with it. Just pass it on up there. Um, but if you had, like, I know that the biggest issue would be the heartland because a lot of people wouldn't want Illinois, according to the comments. Michigan's, like, Michigan's in the comments going, we don't want Illinois. But uh, I, I would, I could see this working as these five different countries and, well, six because Alaska, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, six because Alaska would uh, become their own. Yeah, I don't see Alaska being a part of California and Hawaii and all that. I, I'm not even sure I see Hawaii being a part of all that. No, I think Hawaii um, would go back to being their own autonomous state. They'd actually probably like to. Um, the crazy thing about that is if you can you bring that graphic up one more time? Mm -hmm. It's the support among independents is steadier than that among Repub than that among Republicans and Democrats. Republicans and Democrats, their support varies wildly depending on the region. In other words, like you know, Democrats have the highest support for this in the Northeast and the Pacific, where they know that they'd run everything, um, whereas Republicans highest support, obviously, in the South and then to a lesser extent in the mountain areas. But if you look, it never goes below, what, 30 percent, 30. What's the lowest one? 30 percent for uh, for uh, independence. And it goes as high as 50 percent. Like, it seems like independents are the ones who most support this it's actually pretty incredible this, this this breakdown of this information is pretty it is surprising and actually what what i find shocking is you have 26 percent in the northeast you have 26 percent of republicans and in the pacific you have 27 percent of republicans which means they know that they are staying in these areas because they like it but they're afraid of what would happen if it were to break off right and they're like, no, 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 we need we need everybody on our side here. So instead of moving to an area where they'd be okay with it, they're staying there for whatever reason. Right, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that trend plays out. If, if support for, you know, because no one there is saying we want to start civil wars and fight each other. Um, you know, but I, I think people are just saying, you know, can we peacefully break up from each other right. and just have, you know, open and free trade? Because I, I guarantee you the people there are thinking, you know, we still want to be able to trade. We still want to be able to travel and things like that. And there's absolutely no reason we couldn't continue to do that. Right. 
absolutely no reason whatsoever. Uh, or better yet, go back to what the founders intended, which was, you know, under the Articles of Confederation, where they really were, fi- uh, well, at that time, 13, but now 50 independent nation states who had open and free, uh, you know, trade and travel agreements between them. That that would probably be a much more workable scenario than what we have now. Right. And um, J. Adam Weggs in the comments says, Missouri will go to war with Illinois and wants to know if Michigan is in. <laughs> Well, Northern um, Michigan, anyway. Right. Northern Michigan would definitely be on. Um, so, speaking of different countries, a man who was born in Havana, Cuba, tells Cubans seeking refuge from the communist government his family escaped from when he was a child that help will not include asylum if not sought in the right way. Yep. Alejandro Mayorkas said, allow me to be clear, if you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States, you will be sent back. Now, let's put aside the fact that, well, let's not put, let's actually start with the fact that, like Matt said, Alejandro Mayorkas came here, or is it Alexander? It's Alejandro. Alejandro. Alejandro Alejandro Mayorkas came here in 1960 to escape the Cuban regime. The same one that he is now telling Cubans who are dealing with an even more oppressive, uh, you know, many decades later, much more oppressive regime, Castro regime in Cuba, that no, they can't come here. And by the way, he's saying you can't come here. I've had a lot of people when when I put this out, they push back and go, well, he's just saying they can't come legally. What he's not saying to you, but what all Cubans already know, is that there has been no legal migration to the U.S. from Cuba since 2017, when the U.S. government stopped processing Cuban visas. So there is no such thing as a legal process to migrate here. Even if you are already in the system processing to, to come here, you are halted indefinitely. There are Cubans who are here on temporary visas who are in a bit of legal limbo because they won't get reprocessed. They've literally stopped doing it. So the legal process for Cubans trying to come here right now is no. So when he's saying don't come here illegally, he's signaling to the American public, well, I'm just saying don't come here illegally. He's saying to the Cuban people, which they know, don't come here. The only way to come here is by sea. The only way to come here is to flee. We won't let you in. We will take you. We will detain you. And we will send you home. Yep. Um, now, many people in the media have been kind of walking it back a little bit to, for him. And they're saying, he's saying don't come by boat. Because he does say those who attempt to come to the U.S. by boat will be intercepted by the U.S. Coast Guard and sent back. Uh, and they're like, and they're saying, he's just saying this for their safety because they don't want them to, uh, they don't want them to, uh, risk coming the dangerous 90 miles during hurricane season. So he's telling them not to, and they will be sent back. But he goes on to say, anyone lucky enough to finagle an asylum interview will be resettled elsewhere. He's saying, you're not coming here. He doesn't care that his people... You're not coming to the U.S. You are not coming to the U.S. 
the man whose family escaped yep. from Cuba is telling other Cubans, you will not come here. This is what woke representative tyranny looks like. Okay. We hear all the time. Well, they might not have changed the policies, but at least they're including a more diverse group of people to be included in it so that they can, you know, weigh their, their feelings and their community's feelings as representative of that community. Here is what that actually looks like. It looks like a Cuban man who was, or Cuban American man who came here to flee the very same Castro regime that he is now telling the people of Cuba they are not allowed to come here to flee from. That's what woke representative diverse tyranny and oppression looks like. It looks like the oppressors putting friendly faces in charge of being ones to give the bad news. Right. Right. Um, and speaking of woke oppressors uh, giving bad news, press secretary Jen Psaki um, told the white... Uh, Jen Prasaki. Jen Psaki. Jen Prasaki. Secretary Saki told reporters that the White House is regularly coordinating with Facebook and other social media giants on the latest narratives dangerous to public health that the administration thinks should be censored. This came after yeah. Joe Biden said Facebook is killing people. And he walked that back real fast. Well, you know, it took him three days, but for Joe, walking anywhere fast is takes three days um but it takes him about three days to walk back to something yeah yeah um there were probably some stairs involved so i have this video it's a it's a little long and i apologize but there is some really good points in here that uh you need to see uh because whoo so it's about three minutes long, but uh, to lead it in, Jen Psaki was asked, how long has the administration been spying on people's social media accounts? And, you know, I'm not even going to spoil anything for you because you need to hear her answers. Speaking of misinformation and the announcement from yesterday, for how long has the administration been spying on people's Facebook profiles looking for vaccine misinformation? Well, that was quite a loaded and inaccurate question, um, which I would refute. Well, Peter, first of all, as you know, we're in, we're in a regular touch with with a range of media outlets. As as let me finish. As we are as we are in regular touch with social media platforms. This is publicly uh, open information, people sharing information online, just as you are all reporting information on your news stations. Okay, so these 12 people who you have on a list, 12 individuals, do they know that somebody at the Surgeon General's office is going through their profile? I'm happy to get you the citation of where that comes from. There's no secret list. I will tell you that these are people who are sharing information on public platforms on Facebook. Information that is traveling is inaccurate. Our biggest concern here, and I frankly think it should be your biggest concern, is the number of people who are dying around the country because they're getting misinformation that is leading them to not take a vaccine. Right. Young people, old people, 
kids, children, this is all being, a lot of them are being impacted by misinformation. The big concern, though, I think, for a lot of people on Facebook is that now this is Big Brother watching you. They're more concerned about that than people. Speaking of misinformation and the announcement from yesterday. Information on your news stations. So for some reason, we can't hear that, and I can't figure out why, because this is a Muddy Waters Media production. Um, Speaking of misinformation and the... Um, okay. I think he got to the point that I needed it to. Um, in it, uh, the reporter from Fox News uh, says, a lot of people are worried about Big Brother. Um, are worried about Big Brother and uh, Big Brother looking over their social media accounts and she says, you think that they care more about that than they do about those who are dying from the pandemic? I would like to see your stats on that because I just don't believe it. She is saying people don't care about their privacy as long as we are saving lives. So there goes all that BS that they've been telling us about. Oh, these are just private companies. And we've been saying that from the beginning. This is not private. These private companies are taking coerced and coerced and sometimes guided and ordered actions from government. And this is not, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and the rest of these are not saying, you know, if anything, Facebook's actually pushing back a little bit and saying, no, we're not going to ban any person who says they're not going to get a vaccine or that they, you know, that they, they don't feel like it's safe for them to take it. You know, so once again, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Mark Zuckerberg. And, and I mean, Facebook has not been kind to Muddy Waters by any stretch of the imagination. No. But if I have to pick between Mark Zuckerberg and Joe Biden or Donald Trump or, or you know, Chuck Schumer or uh, uh, Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi, that's not even close who I trust. No. And uh, Tim Wysong, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong, Tim. Uh, Tim Wysong in the comments says, we're, so, we're close to people no longer dying. I'm sure of it. We'll get some privacy back then. And I 100% believe that he's being facetious here. And yeah, that's... Of course. Once they, once they take it and the government is looking at your Facebook post and telling Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, which I mean, that's Facebook um, or anybody else that you should censor this. You should take this down. You should put up a warning. You should put up a, uh, 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 this violates community standards thing. Uh, the government will continue to do it because they already know that they can. And that is just something that's going to continue happening. Yep. Because and it's only going to get worse and they're going to continue to play us against each other. You know, I've noticed the the left wing reporting about this this censorship is Joe Biden finally gets tough with all of these stupid conservatives. Yep. And it's similar to how conservative media will show videos of cops brutalizing protesters and say, look at how the police are finally cracking down on these left wing Antifa agitators. You are cheering on your oppressor because they are attacking the people that you were told are your enemy. When the reality is the people doing the attacking are your enemy. At the same time, they're always making it clear, well, this is just about your safety. You know, the Patriot Act and the 1995 Terrorism Act, Anti-Terrorism Act and the 1994 Anti-Crime Bill and the NFA and the assault gun ban and assault weapons ban and all these things. They're going to go away once things are safe. Well, no, they don't. No, they they don't. stick around. And, you know, we have terrorism hasn't been a problem 
it never was a problem in any real substantive way and it, and it certainly isn't one now but all those all those protections are still in place uh, same thing with all those crime bills even though we you know overwhelmingly know that that's only made things worse this is what happens when you give them an inch they take everything and then they try their best to get you to fight each other you know oh well my enemy's not a tyrannical government my enemy is those antifa scumbags my enemy is those conservative Trump supporting bigots. It's no, your enemy is the tyrants, the actual tyrants, not the cheerleaders. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I forgot that since we re switched everything, I have to do something different right now. Um, okay. But, uh, right. So we have a government that's going to continue spying on you and they're doing it in the name of safety, which, uh, let's think roughly around September 12th, 2011. Um, they started saying we're doing this in the name of safety and these are going to be temporary measures. And all of those yep. measures are still in place 20 years later. Yep. It is not temporary. These are things that are going to continue to happen. Uh, there are things that are going to continue to happen and people will, uh, continue to just get used to it. And that is the plan. Yep. We just saw this with the, uh, the Texas Democrats, Texas Democrats that fled, uh, uh, so that the, uh, the uh, Republicans in the, uh, in the, uh, in the legislature in Texas, Texas couldn't have a quorum to pass their, 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 their uh, voting, voting bill or whatever it is. Whatever it is. And, uh, a good number of them tested positive for COVID. They were all vaccinated. And so the new narrative is becoming, well, the vaccine's safe and effective, but you still got to mask up and you still got to socially distance and you still got to stay home and you still got to do this and you still got to do that. And, and, and the reality is it's never going to end. If you let them tell you that you can't go outside and you have to put this in your box. And by the way, I'm not saying if you feel com most safe and comfortable staying in and not going outside unless you absolutely need to and you are in a position to be able to do that, do that. Do whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable and safe. You should do that. If you feel like you need to mask up at all times, even when you're outside, yes. mask, up. mask up. Whatever you need to do. If you want to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. Whatever you feel like you need to do. If you feel like you need to go over and above the, what they're recommending and, and you know only go outside in full biohazard, get what, whatever you feel comfortable doing, do it. But imposing this on everyone long term, if we allow this to happen, it will become the new normal. It, all of these things end up becoming the normal if we simply shrug our shoulders and say, OK, it's always going to be this way. The war on drugs is the normal where a plant will put you in jail in many states still for years and years and years, either owning it or selling it or using it. Literal medicine will put you in prison. That is a normal. It is a normal that police can brutalize you with cameras watching them do it, and they almost never face any kind of accountability for it, even being sued for it. The best you're going to get is some kind of settlement from the, the city or the state or whomever, but no one's going to admit any fault. There's probably going to be no change to policy, and even if there is a change, it gets ignored. This is the normal. We accept these things as normal, and we look at other countries that are worse off and go, well, at least we're not like them. Yeah, yet we have to fight back. We have to reject this. We have to get involved at the local level. We have to stop this stuff from happening. We need to claw back our freedom. 
whatever was taken from us easily will be so much harder to get back. We have to fight to not let them have anything else. And we have to resist whenever we can and not hashtag resist, actually resist. Absolutely. Um, I've seen a lot of, so a lot of people in the comments were talking about Ed Snowden, which you guys are kind of handling the, uh, the segue for me. Um, because Edward Snowden tweeted that, uh, this story that we're about to cover is the biggest story of the year. And what we know about this story uh, is what we're finding out now, I believe, is just the beginning. Uh, but the question is, how much will we be able to find out about the story? Um, it was revealed by The Guardian uh, that a leak uncovers global abuse of cyber surveillance weapon. And spyware sold to authoritarian regimes used to target activists, politicians, and journalists. This is called the Pegasus Project for anybody who has not heard of this yet. When I was doing the notes yesterday, I had read that article earlier in the day. And uh, then we, Sarah and I, uh, went to go do trivia after I finished doing these notes. And our trivia team name was Google the Pegasus Project because... If you have not heard of the Pegasus Project yet, it's fucked up. Um, human rights activists, journalists, and lawyers across the world have been targeted by authoritarian governments using hacking software called Pegasus, sold by the Israeli surveillance company NSO Group, according to an investigation into the massive data leak. Pegasus is a malware that infects iPhones and Android devices. So even iPhones, wonderful security systems that they brag about being the absolute best can be uh, hacked by this um, or infected by this, not hacked by this. Um, and enabled operators of the tool to extract messages, photos and emails, record calls, secretly activate microphones, and turn on your GPS at any time. The leak contained a list of more than 50,000 phone numbers that it is believed to have been identified as those of people of interest by clients of NSO since 2016. 50,000 people have this on their phone. We're yep. going to get more into this uh, as we go, but this is a terrifying thing to know that is out there in the world and governments are the ones that bought it. This was not for sale to you, to me, to Spike, to anybody in Muddy Waters, anybody watching the show. Probably anybody watching the show. I don't want to make any assumptions that heads of state and other countries aren't watching us for information but probably nobody watching the show has this capability right um the data contained the time and date that the numbers were selected or entered into a system um and the data is an they made sure to say that the data is an indication of intent. The presence of a number in the data does not reveal whether there was an attempt to infect the phone with spyware such as Pegasus, 
uh, the company's surveillance tool or whether any attempts succeeded. Just that somebody attempted to do it or just that somebody had the intention to use that number to do this. Um, the presence of the data of a very small number of land or the presence in the data of a very small number of landlines and U.S. numbers, which the NSO says are technically impossible to access with its tools. Um, so they're saying that's technically impossible for landlines and U.S. numbers, but they say the presence in the data of a very small number of landlines and U.S. numbers. So that means that somebody had the intent of doing it in the U.S., but NSO is saying that's not possible. But I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I don't think I believe that at all, honestly. I mean, there's why would it be impossible? Right. I, I mean, right. There's no reason it would be impossible. I don't understand how cell phones work. They're magic to me. Um, and I'm just happy that they do work. But I don't see why they would be on a different system than the other countries where this does work. I could see why landlines. I, I could see why landlines would. Yes. Work. Yeah, I can see why can landlines see wouldn't work because it's a landline. It doesn't have an app on it and that kind of stuff. But right. phones, if you've got a smartphone, I see absolutely no reason why this couldn't work with that. Yep. And especially with how it gets on your phone. Um, and um, even if even if there's a different system in place or whatever, there'd be a way to make it where it complied, where it comported with that system. Like there, there's no reason that it, it can't. I, I don't I don't believe that. Right. Um, of 67 smartphones that were suspected of attacks, 23 were uh, successfully infected, and 14 showed signs of attempted attacks. The remaining 30 had inconclusive tests, but mainly because the owner of the phone had gotten a new phone. So the number was on there. And yeah. possibly the previous phone was infected and they got a new phone. Right, right, right. So uh, Scott Greer says, who has a landline? I'm certain that they still, businesses, businesses still have landlines. For the most part. Everyone has smartphones at this point, especially the kind of people they'd be targeting. Right. Like it would be hard to be, to find someone who doesn't have a smartphone at this point. So, the Pegasus Project by The Guardian uh, was a collaboration of 80 different uh, reporters who came together to work on this. And it is a massive, massive report with new information coming out daily. Um, but the, those who worked on the story were able to identify 10 governments to believe to be responsible for selecting targets. I am going to mess up this first one. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijani. Thank you. Uh, Azerbaijan, uh, Bahrain, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, India, and the UAE. You have a confused... I feel like the U.S. did too, or the U.S. has... You know what? The U.S. might not even need this. They might have their own systems. I mean, they've been back when this. Remember, it was 2013. It was eight years ago when Edward Snowden released revealed that they were tracking every bit of electronic communication we were doing. Imagine how much more advanced it is now. It's not like they stopped. Right. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, it just could be that the U.S. hasn't purchased this system because why would they? 
They have their own, yeah. They've got their yeah. own. Uh, Rwanda, right. Morocco, India, and Hungary denied having used Pegasus because why would they admit it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other governments, uh, they did not respond to invitations to comment. Shocking. Shocking. Um, so once the phone is infected with Pegasus, a client of NSO, so one of the countries that we just mentioned, uh, could in effect take control of a phone, enabling them to extract a person's messages, calls, phones, photos, emails, secretly activate cameras or microphones, and read the contents of encrypted messaging apps, such as WhatsApp, which isn't encrypted anymore because Facebook, Telegram, and Signal. So if this gets on your phone, your Signal, your, your coveted Signal, uh, which I use religiously and I love it, um, is... Yeah doesn't matter. Like they're still going to be able to read whatever you put on there. Your, your beloved signal. That's what I, I said that to people when they're like, Oh, it's encrypted. It's safe. I'm like, it might be safe -er, safer, but if, if someone's spying on your phone and again, I'm not a, a, a cyber security expert by any stretch, but I know enough to know that they could get stuff off your phone. There's not a magic app that's going to stop that. I mean, there, there are, if they're even able to just, log what's on your screen yeah then by virtue of that that's enough you know even if they're not getting the metadata or whatever if they're able to just log what's happening on your screen that's more than enough to see what you're seeing on signal right yeah more more than yeah if you just get the uh the the screen recorder going without their nodes without their knowing it and just watch everything that's happening, you'd be able to re yep. watch everything in real time. Um, the NSO clients could also secure a log of a person's past movements and track their location in real time with pinpoint accuracy. So there was a story that we did a few years ago. Probably not a few years ago, probably about a year ago, um, about a guy here in Florida who got caught up in a... Um, it was either a burglary charge or a murder charge, and it was based yes. and it was based yep. on uh, his location while he would ride his bike, and yep. they used the location while he was riding. Uh, it was a the track my ride app or something along. I don't remember yep. the name. Yep. Of it. Yep. But they used the location that was stored in this that they uh, that they used a warrant and got from Google uh, to get the information. And Google gave it to him, and they said, okay, well, this guy has been riding his bike past this place every day for the last however long, as people who do workouts do, and they ended up arresting him for either robbery or murder. We covered, like, three of the same stories. I don't remember which one he was. Um, and I it, think his was murder. I was or attempted murder attempted, or rape. Yeah, it was like a serious it was, charge. It was a serious charge. And it was I mean, I mean, any of those are serious, but it was like a serious, like right. it was like a violent crime, you know, go to jail for a very long period of time charge. Right. And he had, they had no evidence other than this ridiculous geo tracking. Right. Now they would be able to do that to you. They could figure out a way to try to get you to go to a certain area and then use that location to pinpoint you to an area. Um, the latest advances in their technology enable a, uh, enable it to penetrate phones with what is known as a zero click attack. 
meaning a user does not even need to click on a malicious link for their phone to be infected. They were sending the links through WhatsApp, and WhatsApp would uh, archive the message, and it would infect the phone. Wow. So governments are now buying this uh, spyware to spy on their enemies, and it's, it's one of the guys was spying on his own family. Like, he put in the numbers of all of his family. Sure. They didn't say which country that's from, but, I mean, I've got some bets. Saudi Arabia. Um, just, just my bet. Because why else? Like, <laughs> there are very few countries where your family is someone you're going to necessarily worry about. Saudi Arabia, it's a, it's a, 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 a nepotocracy. It's a monarchy. It's a, right. it's a divine, you know, right of, of rulership, uh, divine right of rule country where yeah your cousin could end up being your enemy because they're trying to work their way up the hierarchy of the family so yeah no that saudi arabia and or the uae i could see azerbaijan honestly i mean any of these dictators i could see them doing any it but yeah them. my best guess would be saudi arabia yeah saudi arabia was my when i when i read that i was like well come on we we know yeah. we know but yeah, so governments are buying this spy on their enemies and families. Um, like 180 something journalists were in there because people were trying to figure out where they were getting their sources and stuff like like this is a terrifying thing. And again, this story broke yesterday, yesterday or Sunday. Um, and by the time I read the initial article on it, there was so much more information coming out that I didn't yep. have time to read everything. So, uh, as my trivia name yesterday was, Google the Pegasus Project, or just go to The Guardian um, and read all about it, because this is absolutely terrifying that it is out there, that a company has made this, yep. and that uh, governments are buying it in order to spy on individuals. Um, and, incidentally, this can be deadly. This is how they got Jamal Khashoggi, Yes, um, how the Saudis found him and tracked him down right. and murdered him. And Edward Snowden's been pushing this for the past day or two uh, about how, you know, th there needs, he believes, and I, I tend to agree, although I don't know how enforceable this is. Actually, I do. It's not enforceable. He's calling for there to be a ceasefire and a total moratorium on any anyone. He's saying that spyware should not exist in any application um, and should be treated the same way we treat weapons of mass destruction. Um, that there should not be any use of it or any further development of it by any private or public sector actors, um, and that it should basically just be banned and verboten. And, you know, I, I've been asked a few times on Twitter and other places what I think about it. And I say, listen, I agree. I think that no one should be using this. I don't really trust the people who are trying to put Edward Snowden in a cage for revealing that they spied on everyone to be in charge of making sure no one's spying on anyone. I just, I, I, I think this is one of those, you know, the state statecraft creates these fox in the hen house situations where, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're powerless to stop it. And the only people who have the power to stop it are the very ones who are using it. So who exactly are we supposed to trust there? This is yet another example of why statism is a, I'd say a failed project, except it's going exactly it's, the way the people it, it in charge working, want it to. Yeah, I was going to say it's working exactly. It, it is a fantastically 
uh, run project. Successful system yeah, of control, very, yeah. Right, because no matter which side you're looking at, if you're looking at it from this side uh, with the Pegasus project and them spying on you to get more information or to figure out where you are to kill you, or yep, yep. if they are uh, pulling the Jin Saki and saying, uh, we need to be more worried about people dying from a pandemic than your privacy, yep. this is what they want. And there are people on... I don't want to say the left, but the the authoritarian side. There are people on the authoritarian side who agree with Jen Psaki, who are saying, yeah, yep. this is totally fine. A lot of those people would look at what's happening on the Pegasus Project and say, no, this is, this is too far. But the difference between these two things is like this. Let me, yeah, right there. The second that the government says... We need something like the Pegasus Project to stop the spread of misinformation to save lives for COVID nineteen. It's it'll these exact same people will say, "Well, I guess that's what we need. We got to spy on these these crackpot uh, uh, right wing conservative fascists who are spreading misinformation about COVID." By the way, every single thing that is considered settled science about COVID was at some point considered misinformation, right? By the same people. That are now calling it settled silence. That was one. Yeah. That, so the I, what's that? That was one of the things that was in Jin Saki, that video with Jin Saki that we couldn't hear. Um, yeah. He said, "Well, you know, people are posting stuff about uh, about Fauci saying not to wear masks, and people were saying you should probably wear a mask." And uh, but he said, "No, you don't have to wear a mask. Are you going to remove all of those articles?" And she was like, "Well," and then she just pivoted. To uh, well, Dr. Fauci knows the science changes, and you know, blah blah, whatever. Exactly. That's why you don't ban people from saying things, right? Because if you ban someone from presenting, the only way that you that science can change, or that consensus on something can change, either in a scientific, clinical, you know, uh, setting, or a political setting, or any kind of setting, it requires people to present dissenting ideas and information. If this is the if whatever the baseline of right now of every single subject is now considered settled and anything that goes against it is misinformation against the settled science, then if someone says, well, wait a second. I have a hypothesis because, again, that's how the scientific method works. I have a hypothesis that that's not true and it actually works this way. That's going to be considered misinformation. Yes. Because before you can test it, you have to hypothesize it. This is the most anti-science thing. And, and no, any person who thinks for a second that there's a major difference, the only difference between telling you what you can and can't post anywhere, even text messages, not just social media, but anywhere, basically telling you what you can and cannot say on the Internet the difference between that and spying on everything you do on the internet is just the mechanism of control. But it's the same thing. It's controlling it's you. Controlling and if they can convince you that it's for your safety and protection, then they get to do it and you get to cheer them on. And, and, and whether we're talking about this kind of stuff or whether we're talking about cops cracking heads of protesters or whether we're talking about a gigantic wall to keep out people that scare you or, or whether we talk about, you know, uh, uh, what, you know, uh, controls against big scary looking black guns whatever it is it's the same thing it's the same thing over and over again it is government convincing you to be more scared of this boogeyman 
than of them having this control over you so that you cheer on them having that control over you. Yes. So you know who uh, doesn't have control over us? I think I do. Do you? Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call in moment. I realized I plugged in the wrong thing. So Chris Reynolds is the most fantastic injury attorney in these United States. Uh, and if you are lucky enough to live in the beautiful state of Florida, you could easily just go to chrisreynoldslaw.com and have Chris Reynolds as your personal injury attorney. And he will get you so much money. Just like just a stupid giant pallets of cash. Pallets of did, did, if you saw Breaking Bad and he had the 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 pallets of cash inside the storage locker, that's what Chris Reynolds will get you if you get personally wow. injured. Yes. So go to chrisreynoldslaw.com. And here is our first call from I got to make sure that this isn't turn I haven't used this board in a while and I quickly plugged everything in so this first one might blow your ears out and I apologize. Hey Spike and Matt, this is Adam calling in on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds attorney at law anchor call-in moment. And I'm calling in today to talk about Cuba, but not in the way that most people would expect. Um as we all know, the uh, communist Cuban government has cut off access to Internet, social media, and phone to most of their population in result, as a result of the protests. However, what people don't know is that the Cuban people have been relying on ham radio, specifically within the 40-meter band. And the Cuban government has started tracking and jamming 40 um, signals within the 40-meter band coming out of Cuba. Um, take a listen. If that sounds like garbage to you, that's because it is. Have a great day, guys. Now, to drive home how important this is, Adam, I don't know a lot about ham radio. Adam's actually someone who's told me a lot, and I've done some more research. The thing about ham radio is that because of the very low frequencies that they use, they are able to transmit sometimes across the entire planet, but at the very least over very wide geographic areas using towers that are sometimes homemade and using very little electricity. So what ham radio allows is for people to be able to broadcast far and wide easily and cheaply. And so basically what is happening here is the Cuban government is stopping everyday Cubans from being able to get the message out, not just to other parts of Cuba, but to around the entire world, right? So to Venezuela, to parts of the U.S., to parts of possibly even Western Europe. Um, again, you know, given the right conditions, given a good enough tower, uh, uh, given, you know, uh, the, you know the, the right expertise in, in the creation of it, you can use like a 40 millimeter bandwidth to access all or most of the planet in the right conditions. And so, you know, this is how many Cubans are able to communicate with the Western hemisphere and vice versa right. to be able to communicate, to, to have people talk back to them. That's being blocked. And it's, it's so, and this is probably even more important in Cuba 
where there are still a good number of Cubans who are not accessing the internet, were not accessing the internet and social media, and were relying on ham radio to be able to reach other people in other countries and around Cuba as it, as it would be if they did the same thing here in the U.S. So this is, you know, this is what tyranny looks like. But don't worry, it's for your safety and it's to save lives, so it's okay. Uh, so we have another one from Jay Adam Weggs, but I think it's just a repeat. So we're going to find out really quick. Personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law anchor, Colin moment. And I'm calling in today to talk about Cuba, but not in the way that most. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same, same one. All right. Our next call is from Andrea O'Donnell. Hey guys, it's Andrea. I have a state representative of North Carolina who recently posted about the opioid crisis saying that he would never legalize cannabis. He believes it's a gateway drug. I have convinced him to have a sit down with me and I have a little bit of a plan, but I'm wondering what you guys would ensure you mentioned. Thanks. That is, first of all, that's awesome. That's a great, fantastic question. But congrats to you. That's amazing that you did this. Outstanding, Andrea. This is exactly what we talk about on this show when it says getting low, you know, it's easy for us to shake our fist at the bootlickers, but often these folks don't know. That guy probably just has no clue what the hell he's talking about or she's talking about. I think it's a, I think she said it's a, I think so. you know, they probably have no idea what they're talking about. So, you know, what a chance to reach out and say, hey, I'd like to talk with you about this. You know, it's a lot easier to reach state reps and local uh, legislative people than it is to try to reach someone in Congress or the Senate or whatever, unless you've got millions of dollars. We're just not there yet. Um, although, you know, Justin Amash told me that, you know, even when he was in Congress, that most other uh, Congress people would kind of, you know, mention that if they got about a dozen calls about something that would make them seriously look into it, phone calls, like actual phone calls. Um, so even there, you might be able to change something. But that's fantastic. The first thing I would bring up is, and you can Google this and find it, the person who came up with the gateway drug uh, uh, narrative the, the answer during the, uh, that press conference back in the, I think, 80s, that person has multiple times said that it's something, I believe it was a she, uh, just made up on the spot because she was being cornered about, well, okay, yeah, make crack illegal, make heroin illegal, make meth, whatever. Why would you make weed illegal? And she went, well, because it's a gateway. There's no science about gateways. And if you, if, you, if you Google it, there's all sorts of data that shows that at the very least it's inconclusive that cannabis is a gateway and at, and at the most there's evidence showing that it's not a gateway. And then you can talk about the fact that lack of access to cannabis for chronic pain relief and PTSD leads people to use those drugs. So it's actually prohibition is a gateway to harder drugs. Right. Uh, one of the things that I would, I would avoid personally um, I would avoid going through the entire history of how it became prohibited. Um, yeah, because even no matter how accurate it is that it was prohibited, uh, for racist reasons and the fact that it was prohibited for racist reasons and the fact that, uh, uh DuPont and the paper guy were afraid of hemp plants, uh, taking over. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, don't bring up any of that. Talk about 
find find personal interest stories of people in that guy's district where it could yep. help them. Uh, here in Florida, um, God, I wish I could remember the name of the bill that I helped write the white paper on. Um, but uh, we we did when we were going for medical marijuana, uh, we were it was called the something something uh, bill. Kathy Jordan, the Kathy Jordan bill. Um, and this was a woman who had, uh, she was older, uh, she was older, she had severe, uh, it was either MS or, it was either MS or, um, ALS, I don't remember which one, but she would, she would get, she would get serious seizures and weed was the only thing that would help. Probably MS, ALS typically doesn't have seizures. Yeah, okay. Um, so we... We wrote this bill for her, and then we said, this is, and we had video of her having seizures, and this was video that was given to, we didn't, like, set this up to get, this. her family sent us this, um, and it was video where the seizures would subside immediately, and she would go back to kind of being back in her right mind, and this was part of what we used in order to push this bill. Um, so if you can find people locally in this guy's district that he would have to connect with, um, I would try to do that. Um, or even at least in the state, you know, try to find in the district if at all possible, but at the very least in the state and, and also show like, you know, you can pull up some, you know, find YouTube videos. There's plenty of YouTube videos of people, you know, doing these, you know, time-lapse videos where they're having seizures or tremors and they smoke some pot, you know, find kids that have epilepsy or are taking chemo and can't eat. And this is the only thing yep. that helps them find veterans with PTSD, find these stories, show them to him. Uh, I think you said it was a him and, and just show him like, you know, this is, it, it has medicinal use. Right. And even if it's used recreationally, it's still so much safer than the alternatives. And, and what I would do is I'll speak to the concern. So this isn't someone who's saying, I want to lock people up for a plant. This is someone saying, I am concerned that this this drug, this plant, this whatever, is going to lead to more people overdosing on heroin. So attack that directly by, by talking about, and you can show examples, of people who resorted to heroin, actually first resorted to pain pills because they couldn't get cannabis. And then once their once their lifetime FDA pain pill limit was up, they had to resort to getting pain pills illegally, which was more expensive than just getting heroin. And so eventually now they're taking heroin. He's worried about that whatever the gateway is to people dying of heroin overdoses. So show him what the actual gateway is and then show what marijuana actually is it has medicinal purposes yeah it has recreational purposes but focus on the fact that it has medicinal purposes it is far safer than the stuff that is that is the alternative to it and you know this is about helping people and, and helping people not end up addicted um I, I think that goes an incredible way to to being able to to you know show him that this is about preventing overdoses. When people ask me about the war on drugs, I say, I want to end the war on drugs because I want to crush the cartels and I want to end the gang violence and I want to end these epidemics of, of overdoses and we can't do it using the failed strategies that created the conditions for all those things to flourish in the first place. So here's our next question from Stephen Vitt. Cool. Hello. 
I can't hear it. Is that what it sounds like to you? Jeff Bezos. I, into, I, I, I couldn't hear it. What, did you hear any of it? So Je- uh, Jeff Bezos went into went into space. Um, yep. That was really difficult to hear. I don't know. I don't know why that that was how he recorded it. Uh, I tried to make that as loud as I could. Um, but he went into space and then uh, he came back down and he gave a word. I, Stephen, I'm sorry. I, we couldn't hear you. Yeah, we don't. We're not we're not sure what what was said there, but um, what I will say, and I've said this many times, Jeff, if your plan is to nuke us from orbit, I'm canceling my Prime account. Right. Yeah. So your move. So we have another one from Stephen Witt. So hopefully we can hear this one better. Hello, guy on left and Spike Cohen for the Chris Reynolds attorney at law anchor call-in moment. This is Steve Witt calling in again. I would like to hear your opinion on the whole situation that happened at the Wii Spa in San Francisco where the trans woman exposed herself to a mom and her six-year-old daughter in the women's locker room causing protests out there, which protesters have been shot by police as well as just overall what happened inside of the spa that the trans woman was accused of um just want to hear your opinion and thank you very much you you can go with this one for i answered the first couple ones before you so this is the la thing right the what the la the los angeles thing this is the Los Angeles spa that, that said that they are trans inclusive. And then that led to the protests, which led, led to, to the, the counter protests, which led the, to the police. The, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Shooting. Right. Uh, I wanted to make sure that that's what we were talking about before I yeah. started just throwing things out. Um, so the place said that they were trans inclusive. Anybody walking into that place in, into that Spa? Spa? Is that what we're... Spa? Sure. Uh, I think it's spa, yeah. Okay. Anybody that... uh, The place said they were trans-inclusive. Anybody walking in there knows that they're trans-inclusive. So if you didn't want to go somewhere where that sort of situation might not have happened, you should have gone somewhere else. There's probably... It's LA. There's tons of them. There's spas everywhere. You could have picked somewhere else where they aren't trans-inclusive. Well, it's LA. Right. Um, But you kind of understood that this was a risk that you would take going into this spa. Um, the fact that you went in there with your daughter, I understand that it might not be something that you want to have to explain to your daughter because I don't know ages right. here. I don't know any of that. And 
time and place for everything. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing that that is a risk going to these places, you may have to think, should I be bringing my daughter to these places? So my thing is this, and maybe I'm not understanding this, but I don't, I'm not sure how old the kids were in question, but if, I don't either. That, and that's why I'm like, I don't really know. If they're like really young kids, why would you have them around anyone, any strangers exposing their genitals? That's a good point. Like I get that there's a difference, but even still, why, why would you have them around anyone exposing their genitals um, would be the first question. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I, th- that's basically my thought on this is, if you know they're trans exclusive, you know what that means. And if that's something you're not comfortable with, then go somewhere else. Now, I will say this. If there were ever a point where it were required for spas to be trans exclusive and to allow there not to be, you know, uh, uh, genitalia based segregation, you know, or something like that, you know, between the different groups, um, then we would be the first one saying, no, absolutely not. There's first of all, you shouldn't force that association on anyone. And second of all, if someone really doesn't want to have to look at penises or flip side, look at vaginas or whatever, then they shouldn't have to. Uh, They shouldn't have to, and they should be able to choose to go to a place that either doesn't, that only serves people with one set of genitalia or that separates them or whatever. I mean, there's, there, that shouldn't be up to the government, but that's not what this was. That was them. yeah, Yeah. Bye everybody. That was them choosing, uh, choosing that. Um, so that's what sparked the protest. And so then you had the protesters that were saying they were fighting pedophilia, which, you know, the spa said this was not a pedophilia incident. This was a trans client coming in to receive the same services that everyone else did there. I, I wasn't there. I can't tell you. But that's that's what they're saying. Regardless, you had these anti-trans or uh, save the children, they call them protesters. Um, and then you had the, the tra- pro-trans uh, counter-protesters. Uh, and then you had the police come in who had literally just been warned, uh, had an injunction filed against them by a judge telling them to stop firing less lethal rounds at people in their chest and head and at uh, point-blank range. You're not supposed to use it at point-blank range ever, and you're never supposed to use it at, uh, in that, in, below, their, below their waist. Um, less lethal rounds are something that are supposed to technically, I didn't realize this, they're technically supposed to be fired towards the ground with the idea that they then bounce up and hit people. Oh, at the really? very least, yeah, if it's at closer range, you actually fire it at the ground with the idea that it comes up. I didn't, when I first heard this, I thought it was one of those, why don't they shoot them in the lake? No, that actually turns out that's how they're supposed to be used. Now, if they're further away, then you do it with the idea you're aiming towards the midsection, but again, with the idea that it's probably going to either bounce or hit them really low. The whole point is to distract them or to, to obfuscate them, uh, you know, in their, in, in moving forward, not to hit them in the freaking chest and buckle them. And, and I mean, if you see the, the footage uh, and the pictures from people that have been hit with these rounds, it, it breaks skin. It, it leaves these gigantic gashes. If it hits you near the heart, you're dead. If it hits you in the rib cage, it breaks your ribs. It's this gigantic projectile hurtling at you it's like getting hit with a it's like putting a baseball inside of a a, you know a a, it's like a baseball and a grenade launcher or something like that it's 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 really intense what it's doing and and there's a proper usage and that isn't it and so once again they go out and do exactly that 
They're shooting people from five, six feet away, directly in the chest, people who are posing no threat, because that's the other thing. They're only ever supposed to use it if people uh, anywhere near up close, if there's no other option, and if the people are presenting a clear and present threat to themselves, to, uh, to them or to others. We saw multiple footage of them not doing that. So and outside of the whole trans inclusive debate or the we spa debate or whatever else once again here comes government to fix things by attacking nonviolent protesters and jared curry says i want to protest people bringing their kids to the spa that's supposed to be relaxing which i i can't i can't hear you oh sorry uh jared curry said i want to protest uh people bringing their kids to the spa it is supposed to be relaxing like i mean are we talking little kids were they, they were six, apparently were they, they were like... six the kid, the child was six. Why are you bringing a six-year-old to a to a spa where people are exposing their genitals? Right. Uh, Matt Hicks in the comments uh, a little bit earlier said, "You walked into a locker room and got shocked that you saw a naked person there." Which, yeah, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, you walked into a spa where you knew this was hap- where you knew that it was trans uh, inclusive. You knew it was trans inclusive. You went there with your six-year-old. And- your six-year-old. And yet you want to go out. I understand if you want to take your six-year-old out for a nice day or whatever, but if that is something that you don't want your six-year-old to see, do the research and take them somewhere else. Don't take them there. Right. Like don't take them there unless they can show that there was an actual incident of assault, assault or, or harassment or pedophilia or anything else. This sounds like someone who probably just didn't know they were trans inclusive and yeah, it's let the buyer beware type of thing. I mean, and I'm, I would imagine there's signs and stuff. And, and if there's not there, I'm sure there are now. Um, and go somewhere else. Like this is, this is, if you don't want that, then go somewhere else. And if enough people are upset about it, obviously there's going to be plenty of a market for either trans non-inclusive, whatever that means, you know, uh, 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 only one set of genitals welcome uh, spas or all genitals welcome innies over here, outies over there. Um, and, and, you know, with no separation, because at the gym, they have, you know, different sets of, of bathrooms and, you know, typically, or locker rooms, typically one set of genitals goes over there. The other one goes over there. Also, don't bring your kids there. Right. Another place not to bring your kids. Agreed. Um, here's our, oh God. We have a series of them from, the laser legend himself. Okay. Well, hello there, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney law, Hicker, colon, moment, TM. Um, so in today's news, apparently some dude named Bezos did something in a giant space dick today. Um, I don't know, significant, maybe, uh, maybe not. It's a lark. It's a frolic. It's whatever. I don't know. Seems cool. I'd like to ride that giant space wang to 60-something miles high or whatever the hell he did. That'd be that'd be kind of cool, but only if I could drink beer in zero gravity. Yeah, man. Hashtag laser legend. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos went to space on a giant penis. Uh... It literally is like the scene from Austin Powers, and I know we're not the, the only ones to break that, but the guy looks like Dr. Evil, and he, yeah, I mean, he looks like he's got the shaved head and everything, and he flew off in a giant space stick. I, and, so, and, honestly, 
I don't think that was supposed to be look like a giant space dick. I think he said, I want a rocket that looks like me in my head. Um, but it just so happens he's a dickhead. He looks like a giant space dick. Yeah, he's a dickhead. So, like, in a lot of... Is it... Is it cool? Yeah. Like, I wish I could go to space. Do I hate him for being able to? No. Do I... All the people who are online uh, bitching about uh, bitching about how he uh, he's got more money than God. Why can't he do something other than go to space? I don't care what he does with his money. Yeah, it, it's it's. I don't care. Yeah, we can talk about how he got his money. I'm I'm upset about the bailouts he got. I'm upset about you know the no bid contracts he's gotten. I'm upset about that stuff. I'm not upset the guy is rich, and I'm certainly not upset that he's using his obscene fortune to push along innovations that are eventually going to become more mainstream. You know, 100 years ago, people were pissing and moaning that the ultra-rich were flying around in, you know, in, uh, in, in lighter-than-air uh, craft, while the rest of them were on, some of them still using, uh, uh, you know, wagons and, and some using autom- uh, you know, automobiles. And saying things like, well, you know, they're up there flying around or they could use that money to help people. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But now the air travel is prolific. I have flown more times than I've wanted to in the past yep. few days. And it was relatively inexpensive. And, 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 you know, it always starts with the people that are super rich saying, I want to do that. And that creates the demand because there's not enough volume of demand yet for that thing but they're willing to put up the obscene amount of money to pay for it just to do it then prove that it works so that the next tier of rich people can get in and do it so that the next tier of people can get in and do it build out an economy of scale and eventually one day space travel you know we might all get to you know save up money and do a hour-long space cruise in the near future, right. like next few years, spend a couple grand and go up into outer space for a few hours and experience zero gravity and all that. So I learned a fun fact yesterday that I'm going to share with you today, because if anything shows the power of the free market versus uh, the government, this is it. How much do you think it costs for NASA to send one pound of anything into space. Oh, I know it's absurd. It's like, isn't it like hundreds of thousands or something like no, that? No, it's not that bad. It is not that bad. Okay. Uh, $10,800 to send up yeah. one pound. A pound. A pound. How much do you think it costs SpaceX? Like a thousand? $1,800. 1800 yeah. for one pound from SpaceX. Yep. 10,800 from government. Yep. Because SpaceX is trying to create a profit. Right. And this is what collectivists and even some conservatives, like there are even some, and even some libertarians, some people who don't understand why profit and profit motive are good and lead to efficiency. Because at first, at first blush, it sounds like, well, if you got to factor in the profit, doesn't that mean it's got to cost more? Because otherwise, if they didn't have the profit, then, you know, they'd be able to charge less because they wouldn't be profiting. You're not factoring in human nature. 
human nature is that if someone's got to eke out a, a, a living and a profit from it, they're going to find a way to do it in the most effective and efficient way possible. So this is why NASA spends tens of billions of dollars to do something that costs hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in the private sector to do. And the more you get government out of it and the more you deregulate it, I mean, think of all the times that Elon Musk has tried to do something and the federal government has just flat out told him, no, you can't do it. We won't give you the licensing. We're not going to approve it. We won't let you do it. Imagine if instead they could just do it and assume the liability for it, right? This would allow a renaissance of space travel and all of the advances that are going to be able to come from that. You know, we have a huge thing that's happening right now with all this space junk. That's all the the leftovers of these satellites and other things that have been launched into this, into the space over all this time. There are countless satellites in the air for, you know, telephone, cable, TV, Internet, all these different applications. And over time, they degrade and then they fall apart. And now they're just floating around going hundreds of miles an hour, zipping around the, the, the orbit. Some of the pieces slowly work their way down, but many, much more is going up faster than the stuff's coming down. There's going to have to be safe and effective ways to get like some kind of uh, capsules or nets or whatever up there to be able to trap that space junk so that we can have space travel, so that we can have you know more effective use of space. Uh, that's only going to come by making it increasingly cost efficient to do so. And that's not going to come from government. It's going to come from the Elon Musk's and the Jeff Bezos's and the rest of them. And frankly, the only thing that's keeping it from becoming even more affordable is that the government keeps giving them money to do it. Don't give them money. Just let them do it. Just let them, let do, them it. do it. Remove the licensing. Let them freaking do it. Let them profit whatever they want. And we'll have amazing space travel in our time. Saddest thing to be left in space was the uh, first dog that was sent up there. Um, What's that? The saddest thing up in space is the first dog that was sent up there. Um, because the Russians let him die. Yeah. Here's our next one from Laser Legend, Matthew Hicks. Well, hello again, guy on left and Spike Holt. This is Matt Hicks calling once again on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds attorney on law, Edgar Collin moment. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to go to the South Carolina Association for Justice annual convention in Hilton Head in a couple of weeks, and they're all out of hotel rooms down there, which is kind of bad because I need a place to sleep. So I rented a boat. I'm on a boat, like like a small boat with bedrooms and a shower and a bathroom and stuff. So that's kind of cool. But it's got two bedrooms cool. and it's just me. So. If one of you guys wants to go to Hilton Head for the weekend of August 7th, let me know. Hashtag Lisa Legend. Wait, I wanted to hold on. Let me tell you. I, I, I'm almost certain I've got something that... Damn it to hell. Yeah. I got something that weekend. I'm super excited to do it, of course. The thing that I'm doing the weekend of August 7th, but it does unfortunately mean that I'm not going to be able to go. Right. On the boat in Hilton Head, man, I want to go on a boat in Hilton Head with Matt Hicks. You should do that, Matt. I, I have. Uh, that's going to be the first weekend that the kids are back. Oh, yeah. So I am. Hey, kids. Who wants to see Uncle Hicksie <laughs> on the boat? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could convince Sarah that that would be a great way to spend that time. I'm, they would love Matt Hicks, though. 
They oh, would man, they'd love him. They'd love Matt Hicks. Uh, here is our they'd next love <laughs> kids love him. Here's our next one from Matt Hicks. I'm starting to get terrified. Oh, uh, this is this is Matt again, guys. Uh, in case you were wondering, the South Carolina Association for Justice is a the lawyer thing for basically every lawyer is invited to come except for like prosecuting attorneys because fuck them. That's why. I like it. Yeah. I like anything called the Association for Justice is likely to either be a really good organization or a terrible, terrible, terrible organization. I'm, I'm still here. I'm, okay. I've been told that something is waiting for me at the door. Okay. I have people delivering me the finest of, well, of goods. Here's more from Matthew Hicks. Hello again, Guy on Left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney in line. Your call-in moment. See ya. I'm sober. I'm still driving home from work. I'm almost there, so that's kind of a thing. Um, I just wanted to give you guys an update on one of my previous call-ins. Um, I got the box. The box has been got. It's dealt with. Let me just tell you, eight years, this fox has been stealing <laughs> my chickens, killing my turkeys, all the baby birds. Eight, I didn't eight. realize it was eight years. I got him. I got him yesterday morning. Got him. Hashtag like delicious. Oh, and the shotgun was the right choice. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. We knew that. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to use? A handgun? Right. Um, I guess a rifle, probably, but still, shotgun's better. Um, I didn't realize it was going I knew it was going on for a while. I didn't know it was eight years. Are you sure it's the same fox? Did you say eight years or a year? I thought he said eight years. I thought he said a year, because I remember when he started talking about it on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law and could call him moment. Well, I don't know. I think, I think he said that part back. No. Um, I already hit it. <laughs> it's gone. Oh, okay. All right. No problem. Yeah. So no, I can't. Uh, oh, eight. He said eight. He did eight years. Didn't know it was eight years. Do foxes live eight years? Yeah. I, I guess so. Yeah, so he's been haunting you since he was a baby. And now in his old life, he said, okay, I'm done. I'm ready for Matt Hicks to take me out. Right. I've lived a good life. And I'll, I'll give him this. I'll let him be the one that takes me out. That's funny. Circle of life. Here's our next call from James M. Ray. Hello, this is James M. Ray calling for the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney at law anchor call in moment. I was very pleased last weekend to meet with Spike and talk about thorium, but I wanted to also thank Spike's wife, Tasha. Tasha is the greatest, and I hope that Spike has showed her the Cuban funnel-eared bat picture, because I said I would tell him to, and... Um, I'm also I'm also into venomous snakes. I'm into I'm into the critters that Tasha is not into. You know, I'm into the not nice critters. Anyway, it was very, very nice meeting you and seeing all of you this weekend. So thank you very much and have a great day. And thanks for the, for all the help. Well, thank you, James. What was it I was supposed to show Tasha? Uh, I don't know. Some bat. Uh, according, she, she likes all that stuff. She just doesn't like chickens. According to Google, uh, the lifespan of a red fox is two to five years. So this fox, 
lived the best life off of matched chickens. And I'm pretty certain that Red Fox lived a lot longer than two to five years. Yeah. I think he was like in his Matt 80s. killed him too. Oh man, Matt Hicks, if you killed Red Fox, I would be so if you mad. you killed Red Fox, screw you, man. That would make you a dummy. Um, that would make you the big one. <laughs> you big dummy. Um, people, people in the, they have no idea what that's in reference to. No one, no one gets that at all. No, no. Well, let's see what Matt Hicks has to say about whatever. Well, hello there, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, calling something, something. TM. Uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, this last weekend, my wife and I went out and bought a uh, robot vacuum thingy that cleans our house for us, which is really cool. This thing is the boss. Like, this is life-changing because we have seven dogs, right? But, um, so anyway, I named him Dr. Bunsen Honeydew uh, because there's a little app I use to control him, and his name is Dr. Bunsen Honeydew on it, which is fun. But I have concerns that maybe I just gave the FBI a map to the inside of my house. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? Hashtag laser legend. If, yeah. Yes. So if its name is Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, you need to get another one that's broken and call it Beaker. Yeah. And it just like shrieks. Um, so if it makes you feel any better, Matt, the government already has your floor plan. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, yeah, I could go to the county courthouse and get that. It it may not know where your coffee table is, but let's be honest, neither does your robot. It just knows when it hits something. Yeah, it just knows the like the where to go on the floor. Um so yeah, I don't think anything they haven't gotten any new late breaking information. <laughs> um I mean you walk around just like the rest of us with a smartphone. So they have access to your front and back cameras at all times and everything that you're doing on it. So I I'd worry more about that than your Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Oh, Matt Hicks says, no, they don't. My house was built without permits by hand by a guy that drank way more than me. Okay, so now they have your floor plan. So now they have your floor plan. Now you're like everybody else. Now you're like everyone else. No, but you know what? I mean, I, assuming (laughs) they can get a good idea of your floor plan without having to have a a robot scanner in your I think, I think they know where you live, right? Oh, and where you sleep relative to where you live. Again, your phone maps it out perfectly. So, I mean, if you consider that your phone is accurate to within like three meters, just by where you stand and sit routinely in your house, your phone knows when you're using the bathroom. Yeah, your phone knows a lot of stuff, which means the government knows a lot of stuff. Did you so Instagram used to have this thing uh, on it that they got rid of, where it would automatically make a map of where you posted all of your photos. So if you were to say go onto a celebrity's 
go onto a celebrity's page. And I actually did this with a friend of mine who's in a band uh, from Sweden. And I showed it to him, and I was just like, look, I bet I know where you live. And he's like, how could you know where I live? I live in Sweden. And I was like, yeah, watch. And uh, I was like, so here's your map. You can see all of the places that you posted. And he's like, okay. And I started zooming in on Sweden. And I was like, so here's Sweden. You probably live right around here. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And I kept zooming in. I went, I'm betting your house is right there. And he was, like, his eyes got really wide. And he goes, can you turn that off? I was like, I haven't figured out how. That's why I stopped posting on Instagram or I never post from home. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. Um, so we have. I don't a, like that at all. No, they got rid of that function. That is no longer there, probably for that reason. The fact that I showed him where he lived. Um, but they still have that. They still know where you're posting. They They're still, just right. not sharing it They're with just everyone not else. They're everybody else. Right. So we have a series of calls from Brian Lambrecht. Hey, Spike. It's uh, Brian again. I'm glad you made it safely to Rapid City. Looks like an exciting week uh, at Freedom Fest. The schedule's packed. I've been updating the calendar as new information comes in, so you should have up-to-the-minute accurate info as the week goes by. Uh, We ran into a bit of a surprise today. Looks like you've got several big fans excited to see you this week, and I did my best to squeeze in a bit of time for all of them. Uh, even some podcast requests that are going to be there. We, we made it work. Um, one of those fans has gone above and beyond to get your attention. Uh, this guy uh, was just full of energy and passion. And uh, so I, I included it in your, uh, in your itinerary for the week. So you'll, you'll see it on the itinerary. Okay, so his name is Frederick. And he's been a fan of yours for a while. And um, also, I was, you know, looking into him when we were, you know, talking and taking notes. And he sounds like he might be a potential whale donor. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, that's Love that's something we can donor. file away for a later date. Speaking of dates, he asked if you were free for dinner sometime this week. I figured this was too good of an opportunity to pass. So oh, I yeah. told Frederick, of course, I put it on your calendar. He was excited about this. Uh, he figured without, you know, Tasha around in, in South Dakota all week, you might get a bit lonely and he was offering some companionship. Seems like a really right. nice guy. So I, I put it down on, on the agenda. All the information is there. And, uh, yeah, he's he's really excited. I'm, I, I'm glad you're going to have something to do this week. So I looked up a few restaurants in town and found a bar and grill that had some great salmon options for you. Uh, he uh, wanted something more intimate and picked some fancy place on the outskirts of town. He insisted. Uh, I'm guessing Frederick wants to maybe discuss some serious future political moves with you, wanted some privacy, and and he offered uh, to pay for dinner. So I thought, all right, well, this works out great. And, And like I said before, he sounds like a big fan. He was quoting your speeches to me over the phone. Uh, he was asking questions about, you know, what is Spike like, you know, when he's, you know, when on the campaign or, you know, what was it like off the podcast? <laughs> and uh, he asked if you'd autograph a few things for him. And I'm like, yeah, Spike's totally cool. He'll, you know, Here whatever you got, he'll, he'll sign something. Here we go. So he was really excited about, about dinner. Uh, oh, yeah. he also asked if you could shave before you go out. Mm-hmm. Dude, Shave we've what? just had a stream of good luck lately. 
So it turns yeah. out Frederick is also a kind of amateur photographer yeah. and thought mm-hmm. that you could use some new headshots. And then after dinner, you could go back by his villa and do some photo shoots. I thought yeah. this was a great opportunity. So I signed you up. Yes. He Perfect. was ecstatic. You know how volunteers can get. Uh, he said he even had some outfits for you that he thought you could try on, things you could pose mm-hmm. for in him. Uh, yeah. He even had some custom things that he said he had made, which I guess he knows your measurements. I don't know. Uh, sounds like a real artsy kind of dude. And and if photos run late, if you guys you know stay up or whatever, uh, he said you're more than welcome to stay the night at the villa and even go out on his boat the next morning. So that was great. I, I told him you guys will you know figure it out on the fly. Anyway, I got to run. I got press releases. I got to get ready for the rest of the week. Hey, man, you have a blast at Freedom Fest. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. So I, I wonder what he wants me to sign. Where Where are you? I'm in Rapid City, South Dakota. Rapid City, South Dakota. Do you know a Frederick here? I don't, but uh, you're going out on a boat the next day. The Rapid City boat. <laughs> there is, there is no water. I found it. There's got. Hold on, I'll be right back. There's got to be a body of water somewhere around here, for a little dinghy. I mean, there's a couple of small like. There's a so there's a little retention pond back <laughs> in the hotel. Well, it sounds there's like a couple. It sounds like you and uh, Frederick are are gonna have just a fantastic time, and I you could go to Eagle Butt. They I, got a river there. I'm a little jealous of uh, you and Frederick's time together because it sounds like you guys are gonna have just a blast and a half. Listen, unironically, if someone wants to take me out to dinner, yes. And pay for food. Well, and yeah, and pay. And pay. I mean, it's the paying. That's the Gotta pay for best it. part. And uh, for it. yeah, that was our Chris Re- personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call in moment. Now, if you... Anchor.fm slash Muddy Waters. Now, if you want to be involved in that wonderful time, uh, all you have to do is visit the website at the bottom, anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters, and uh, you can leave us messages. And while you're there, you can also donate. Uh, You don't have to donate for us to play your message, but it definitely increases the odds of it happening. Yeah. By a wide margin. We'll also like you more. Yeah, that's true. We will. We will 100% like you more. Um, So there's absolutely no way to segue into this. So we're just going to go right into it. The GOP seeks to make Biden synonymous with inflation. The inflation that we here at Muddied Waters have been warning you about for a year. As long as the show's existed. I mean, for a very long time. Um, they have even, instead of calling it inflation, they are dubbing it Biden inflation. Who was the girl that was on Kennedy that you made eye roll so hard that we thought she lost her eyes? Oh, uh, I I think her name was Eva. Yeah. I don't know. Is Um, that what I'm doing right now? That's what, when I said Biden inflation. (laughs) Which, I, I now know how she feels. Biden inflation. Biden inflation. Yeah, Biden inflation. Um, consumer prices have risen 
they're saying 5.4% in the past 12 months according no. to the Labor Department, but I will say, so normally I like The Hill. Like, they have some good reporting, but they said that gas prices have returned to pre-pandemic levels. And No, they have not. And, and technically, I thought about it for a while after reading that. It's true. They just didn't say how long before pre-pandemic levels. Right. Like 2014 pre-pandemic levels. Right, right. Um, oh, Joe Flation would be so much better than Bidenflation. Wow, Joe Flation. Joe Flation. Wade Crumb, good job. Um, Joe Flation, much better than Bidenflation. So, Joe Flation I could get behind. Right. So, yes, they're saying 5.4%, which all of us out there in, you know, the world understand that that's bullshit. Um, I couldn't even begin to tell you what it actually is. So using their old measures, I just saw this uh, before going live, using their old measures that they used not that long ago, it's actually over 10%. And even that isn't accurate because it doesn't include a lot of things. So right. it's it, it, we're in double-digit inflation right. and have been for quite some time. Quite but some now time. it's accelerated double-digit inflation. Right. Now, Janet Yellen, the bastion of free market thinking and sound economic soothsayer that she is, said, we will have several more months of rapid inflation, so I'm going to say that this... So I'm not going to say that this is a one-month phenomenon, but I think over the medium term, we'll see inflation decline back toward normal levels. Of course, we have to keep a careful eye on it. She's not saying the prices are going to go back down to normal levels. She's saying the rate at which they increase are going to go is back going to, to go back down to normal levels. Right. Right. She is not saying that prices are going to go down. She's just saying that the rate of increase isn't going to go up much more. Right. Um, Senator Shelby, the Republican from Alabama, uh, in a hearing with the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, who is a Republican, by the way, um, said in the 1970s, as you will recall, high inflation crippled consumers with rapid and sudden price increases. Many of those conditions exist today, such as loose monetary policy and significant government spending. Powell, again, a Republican who constantly reminds people of trying to find a job during the 70s uh, inflation, said the recent surge in prices is primarily driven by short-term factors, not by the decades of policy that led to the 70s crisis. So it's really good that we don't have decades of bad policy and spending habits that would lead to inflation. Yep. That would be terrible if we did. That would be awful if we did. Absolutely awful if we had any evidence that we've had. And by the way, if you if you go back to that graphic, so this was made in uh in like 2018 or 2019. 2019. This doesn't factor in the massive stimulus spending we've had over the last year. Right. So it's actually much higher than that. Much, much higher. We're, we're above 2029 levels now. 
Are we already above 2029 20, levels? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, they spent close to 20 something thousand dollars per person household. Or yeah. household. Yeah. I, so I was trying to find the most updated one and 2019 was unfortunately the most, most updated yeah. chart. No, that I could because, find. because they haven't gotten the data from the fed because they're going to massage it as much as possible. Yes, right. But some rough back of the book math, we know X was spent X divided by X number of, of households, X number of people, X number of taxpayers. Here are the numbers we get. They, they've, they've blown through that 2029 predict prediction. Right. This is a bell curve we're on now. So, and I was going to say, and after that chart, doesn't include 2020, doesn't include all of the spending from 2020, all of the stimuluses from 2020. It also doesn't include the American Rescue Plan and the $3.5 trillion budget proposed by the Democrats um, that the Republicans are now using to say, well, this will cause too much inflation, completely leaving out the trillion upon trillions of spending that they did last year, injecting yep. the economy full of cash for absolutely nothing. And the money, uh, the money is backed by mm, nothing. nothing, nothing. And what, uh, one, one third of all dollars, I believe. I think Jason Lyon talked about this on a show a couple of weeks ago. One third of all of the money in the world was printed last year. Who was in charge of the Senate last year? Republicans. Who was president last year? A Republican. To say that this also, is, oh, go ahead. To say that this is Biden's inflation is asinine beyond all belief. That was like when uh, the economy was tanking in early 2017. Everybody's like, well, this is Trump's economy. And it's like, no, this is still, this is still Obama's economy. Yeah. 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 This was like when they blamed Trump for the, the, you know, the border crisis. And it's like, right. no, this is the logical conclusion of statist policy, which Trump is continuing to escalate and make worse. Right. Give him his credit. But this is, we keep assigning it to specific actors. Good act, our good actors are lesser evils and our bad actors. And we go, well, when my guy was president, we had the good things. But now that this guy's president, we have the bad things. But every chart just shows this steady march towards more and more bad things. This, yep, this, exactly. This has not changed anything. Like this is every single president from 1970 on till, well, what, Till spike in 2029 and it just shows that they just keep increasing spending all the way through this is not a single party issue every party does this to try to pin it on the other party is obtuse and just blatant lying yeah yeah it, it requires just ignoring fact it requires looking at charts and going well, yeah, but look at the part of the people I don't like. It's the same chart. It's the, it's same, the chart. same chart. This is, yeah, this is, you know, $7 trillion in debt was run up by Donald Trump last year. At least. No, it might be higher. Back, um, back when uh, Obama was still president, um, I, I wrote an article for some, I don't even remember who I wrote that article for, but in it I included a part where I said... Um, 
who which president doubled the national debt, uh, Bush or Obama? And I didn't answer the question, and I d- was enjoying watching people fight in the comments because the answer was both. 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 Both doubled the national debt. And it, like, well, Bush's was smaller, but he doubled it. He, he doubled, doubled it. it. He doubled it. Yep. I got a text from somebody when I posted that. I'm like, you know, this is really, you could argue this in multiple ways because Bush spent a lot of money also. And you could say he doubled it. I was like, he did. Yeah. Oh, so Obama didn't? I, no, he did. I didn't say that neither one of them did. I just asked which one did. That could yep. be both. And it was. It was both. And if Donald Trump had been reelected, he was well on pace to double it again. Yeah. No, he would have done whatever it. numbers, whatever numbers Joe Biden's about to put out. That's what Trump was going to put out. Probably. Probably, because as much as the Republicans are going to sit there and say, we're not going to give you the three point five trillion dollar budget. They, we're only going to give you the one billion dollar budget or sorry, one trillion. Weird. We have to talk in trillions now. We're only going to give you the one yep. trillion dollar budget. Um, the fact of the matter is they they would have broken, they would have given to the Democrats in Congress to push it through, and Trump would have sat up there and goes, this is going to be the last time that I ever sign anything like this. I promise I'm never going to do it again, which he said five times. Every, every single, single time. time. Would have made no difference. You still would have, and would it have ended up being the 3.5? I don't know. Would it have ended up being 3.2? Yeah. Would it have, 3 trillion? Yes. You might have gotten the 500 billion off, but when you're talking about trillions of dollars, that's nothing. It means nothing. Oh, he didn't take a salary. That's $400,000. Right. Okay. Trillion, 100 billion, 10 billion, billion, 100 million, 10 million, million, 100,000. It's a fraction of 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 a penny. It's a nothing. It is pocket lint. It's not even that. It is not as it is, you know, like uh, uh, throwing a, a giant stack of hundreds in the trash uh, or in a in a in a, 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 a fireplace and setting it on fire and saying it's okay though because I scraped my fingernail against a penny and still have that on my finger. Right. It's nothing. It means nothing. absolutely nothing. It's not even a rounding error. It's not even factored in. It means absolutely nothing. This was the guy that went on. We, we've covered the state of, state of the Union addresses where he talked about universal pre-K and universal child care. That man couldn't wait to spend money like Joe Biden is spending right now. Yeah. Yep. When and he, he routinely said, you know, the problem isn't small government. It's that the wrong people have been in charge. Well, now I'm in charge. Well, he I'm wanted good. to spend tens of trillions of dollars he spent and would have spent tens of trillions more if he had gotten a mandate to do so. Right. And he was voted out. And the difference literally is gas prices went up. That is pretty much it. Because I think he would have kept gas prices down because he would have been like, no, drill, baby, drill. I think oil prices would have remained down. I don't even know that that's the case. I think So here's my theory on this. One, he would see that okay. it, it would be American jobs getting American oil, which American oil obviously is better. Um, that's him thinking. American oil is better because American jobs, why are we buying it from somewhere else? 
and American oil is fantastic and it's the best. It's the greatest in the world. But that would have helped keep gas prices down. People on the right and the left would be like, well, at least gas prices are down. Like when they were complaining that he's well, when the left was complaining that he was drilling, they would at least be driving there much cheaper. Um, and to the protests to make sure that they were driving there cheaper. Uh, the people on right. the right would be like, well, you know, inflation's bad because of the pandemic and he had to kind of give away some stuff to the Democrats, but at least, at least gas prices are down and he would have always had gas prices are down. And that would have been his, the thing that would get his base together is gas prices are low. So I think he would have kept the gas prices low. Possibly, but remember, they almost spiked up to, I was just looking at re refreshing my memory on, on gas prices. Um, there was a pre period of time in like 2017, 2018, where they started spiking up to around $3. So pretty close to where they are now. Were they? So, I mean, it, it could be, I, I, I I'd be interested to see that, but in terms of the spending and inflation, it's going to be the same. Yeah, for the most part. But I feel that's why I feel he would have done everything to make sure gas prices stayed down. Because when you go to the pump, and you could you, just point at gas prices. You could point at gas prices and be like, Possibly. "Gas prices are still, you know, two bucks or you know, under two bucks in most places in this country." So you. But the offset would have probably been housing prices, though, because he was all about. There would have he been. Used to say he, he would say to. I remember he would put out these mailers to boomer voters saying. You know, I'm going to make sure that the price of your homes keeps going up. And it's like what he's saying is I want to make sure that housing continues to be increasingly yes. unaffordable for the vast majority of Americans and an increasing number of Americans. That's fair. But yeah, like, but, but everybody, yeah. even the people, like the people he was pricing out of houses by doing these things, they would at least be saying, well, yeah, we can't afford a house, but you know what? Gas prices are low, so I'm getting to my job cheap and I'm being able to save up right. as much. Like. That would be how he would, that would be their mentality. Their mentality, yeah. And Jacob LaBelle, I'm not saying American oil is the best. I'm saying that that's what Trump would say. Right, right. I, I, I am not, I, I was speaking, I know I didn't do his voice for that segment, but that was how that was working. Um, right, right. But yeah, that's how, I think he would have kept gas prices down and because that would have been the best way to appeal to his base. Right, right. Very possibly. But regardless of what it is, you get a Republican. You know, earlier you said it's not a one party problem. If you consider them both the same party, it kind of is. But, you know, th this is, you know, but but from the standpoint of seeing them as two separate parties, no, this is right. a Republican. You vote for a Republican or a Democrat, you get the same thing. You get more spending, more taxes, more inflation, more war, more people in cages, you know, more people in camps, more impositions on your life constantly spiraling out of control cost of living, which they use as an excuse to impose more help on you, you know, doing what Harry Brown said decades ago, you know, breaking your leg, giving you crutches and, and doing it increasingly so that more Americans need more help uh, and need more assistance are less able to be able to do for themselves until eventually we're all just completely reliant on government. It is the, the frog in the boiling pot method and it doesn't matter which Republican wins. No, because it's for your safety. Um, so yeah, um, so you are in Rapid City, South Thank Dakota. You. You're in Rapid. I was going to say Sioux City and I was like, that's not right. I literally just, yeah, it's not up. Sioux Falls. Yeah. I was in Sioux Falls last year for the campaign. I'm in Rapid City, South Dakota for Freedom Fest 2021. 
Uh, I will be the open, one of the opening speakers tomorrow. I'm actually opening for the main, uh, the main personality here this year, the star of the show, JP Sears. I'm opening for him, um, which is kind of incredible. Um, I'm opening for him. And then, uh, and then on, I now am doing a panel every single day, at least one panel every single day of the convention. So one panel is going to be on civil disobedience. Uh, when is the right time to, to, to defy the state? Um, another panel I'm doing is uh, why uh, socialized policing has failed. I'm really excited about that one. What, as they put it, uh, the failures of police socialism, that's got me all hype. And then also I'm doing one on uh, should uh, social media uh, be able to censor us? That became a completely different discussion in the last couple of weeks because now it's what we've been saying all along. This is government doing it, not social media. Right. Um, they're just using social media to, to, to push it. Um, and then I believe there's one other that I'm forgetting at the moment. But um, yeah, it's going to be an incredibly action-packed weekend. Uh, I do believe it's being streamed uh, live at the Freedom Fest page and, and, and uh, YouTube. I'm not positive of that, but I was told that there's going to be live streams of stuff I think so. um, and all the speeches will be available. I, I was invited to go to the live stream and I said that I would because why not? What's that? I was invited to go to the live stream. So I think that it's, I think it's being live strung. Yeah, I, 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 I believe it is. And uh, you're also going to be professionally recording it. There's, there's documentary makers here. It's going to be a freaking just a blast tomorrow. It's going to be incredible. And uh, so we'll be here. I'll be here all week getting back home uh, Monday. So, no, I'm not doing an episode of My Fellow Americans tomorrow, uh, but you are doing an episode of uh, The Writer's Block on Thursday, right? That's right. We, uh, I am doing an episode of The Writer's Block on Thursday with David Preston, who is a journalist, editor and founder of Bam, uh, Bama News yep. Now. Uh, yep. One of the larger independent news outlets for the state of Alabama. He is coming on um, very excited to get him on and hear what we're going to be talking about. Um, can't wait for those notes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely excited to have that. And then on Friday. On Friday is Bayou, is Eskimo and it's Cajun and Eskimo Bayou's to Igloos. I don't know who Cajun's going to have as his new co-host since I fired Eskimo yesterday. Um, sad. Sad. Just maybe sad. we'll have Megan. Maybe Megan. And then on Monday, so have a great <laughs> That's weekend. Be at, uh, uh, 9.30 Eastern. Cajun to... Nine, oh, it's at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Right. Cajun and Eskimo. And then, uh, and then on, uh, on Monday at 8 is Mr. America, the Bearded Truth with Jason Lyon. I love saying that. I, um, I love that he's saying back. that. I love it. Do we know what he's going to dive into? On Monday? No, I don't even ask. I like being it's going to be incredible. It's going to be great. Whatever it is, the the whole purpose of his show is to delve into specific one issue and like focus, and on, focus it on it and get into did, the, um, the problems and the solutions and everything. So he's going to be great. He did and then join us right back here nope. next week. No, no, no. Uh, next week. Next week there will no be money no money, waters of freedom, or the writer's block, or the writer's block, or the writers. But there will be an episode of. My fellow Americans on Wednesday. So we'll see you in two weeks. And in right two weeks. At... And in two weeks. We're going to be having some fun because we are going to be auctioning off some really cool stuff. 
You, yeah, we got some really cool <laughs> things that we're auctioning, stuff we both signed. Uh, you, you looked confused got, for a second. I was like, aren't we doing that? <laughs> well, no, I was confused as it looked like you were I, you were looking to the side. I didn't know if you were about to show the stuff or anything, but yeah. Oh, I did got, look, but it's way too far away for me to go get it. Okay, so we got some great stuff over there. It's right yeah, there. we got some really cool signed stuff we're going to be auctioning off uh, in two weeks. So come join us two weeks from today right here, same muddy place, same muddy time-ish. And uh, same-ish money time. And uh, we will see you again. And folks, thanks so much for tuning in to another fantabulous episode. Matt, if someone wanted to try to find us on the internet, is that even possible? And if so, how? It is possible. All somebody would have to do is head on over to anchor.fm slash muddied waters. Yeah. And while you're there, just give us money. You can give us money and leave us messages that we will say. Us money, money we can get better equipment so that way we start closer to on time all the time. Yeah, we can start the show on time if you give us more money, right? The more money you give, the closer we get to on time. The closer to eight o'clock we start. Just go to anchor.fm/slash muddied waters and you can leave us messages and donate money so we will be on time. Yeah. Or you can find this in every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. Well, folks, thanks again so much for tuning in. We love you. Uh, check me out at Freedom Fest this week. Uh, join Matt on Thursday for the Writer's Block. Join Cajun and Eskimo on Friday. Join Jason Lyon on Monday, and then we'll see you two weeks from now for the Muddy Waters of Freedom. And where we're going, we, we don't need roads. <laughs>